All right, Kev, we're back again after what was an exciting sports weekend. As I've said, I feel like I opened that po- opened this podcast with, all right, Kev, we're here again after an exciting sports weekend a lot. Um, but hey, it's it's happening again. It's happening again. Uh, some crazy NFL games yesterday. A truly historic uh, PGA finish, which I can't wait to get to. Um, but more importantly, what I'm most excited about is like the first real golf tournament of the season coming up this week. I'm excited to discuss that. I'm excited to recap the golf. But let me ask you, of this weekend of action, what stands out the most? I know we're just coming de- we're coming off for those that were not listening to our conversation before we press record, a solid venting session over the NFL. Um, so what stands out the most for you this weekend? NFL, PGA, whatever. Hit me with it. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, first of all, I love the intro, by the way, I think every good podcast needs to have a signature intro that when the listeners are listening, you know, they, they hear that familiar sound I'm in that same vein. The, again, the audience doesn't know this, but Ed, you usually do a countdown before we start and today. No, no three, two, one. So I've, I, I think I've, I think I figured out that since we're like a one take crew right here, if I just don't say three, two, one, I don't have to edit this at all before I press submit. <laughs> That's how good we are at just talking. But that is, that it. is really the reason it cuts out like five real minutes of work in my night. And and that's sometimes <laughs> worth it. Yeah, we are, we are a, uh, you know, one hit wonder here. We don't do any retakes. It's just all, uh, we talk for like five minutes before and then we go, but yeah, uh, no, you asked me what sticks out mostly over this weekend. I, I got to say, um, when we have these, like, combined, uh, you know, I would say really big football weekends and then, like, minor golf weekends where obviously, like, the casual or average fan doesn't really care about the golf tournament because it's not a big golf tournament. Um, but I do. And so I am always sort of at a crossroads when these two things are on at the same time. Which one am I going to dedicate more attention to? Um, and I would say probably all in the past, up until this year, it would have always been NFL. Um, certainly if the Patriots were involved, which they, they haven't been in a while. But um, this past weekend, it was more golf for me, to be honest. I was finding myself, um, I would flip back to the NFL. But to be honest, it's just so much now that annoys me about the NFL, um, like the products. And, and I just don't my hatred for the teams that are left in not in the <laughs> NFC. Like I, I like, I like watching those NFC games where I, I just haven't had like years of hate boil up against, against these teams like the chiefs or the Ravens or any of these other teams left in the AFC. But um, yeah, I, I, I just prefer. And, and also like, I want to be able to speak about what happened in the golf tournament when we record this podcast. And I feel like I, I should be watching and, and just kind of, you know, knowing what's going on and, and it wasn't, by the way, a, a pretty exciting finish as well on Sunday. So for me, I got to go with that as far as what sticks out. Um, I certainly watched NFL as well um, when that was over. But yeah, I would say the golf tournament more so for me. Well, a couple of things you just said stand out uh, so much. First off, I did the exact same thing as you. I actually was, uh, we stole my daughter's iPad and that was the home to the NFL game and the golf took over the main TV, which for uh, a pro-am tournament takes something really special. And there was some awesome drama down the stretch, which we'll get to in like two seconds. But you mentioned that you're just, you're like hate of every team that was playing yesterday. I realized yesterday, midday, that the entire AFC playoff uh, on Sunday, the Ravens who had already progressed, the Chiefs and the Bills are in order for me, my top three least favorite teams. So like this, 
this scenario here, like we're now at a situation, obviously, where 50% of the Super Bowl is going to be comprised of a team that I can't stand. Um, I can't wait to root against either one of those teams in the playoffs. Uh, I hate the Ravens with like all of me. Uh, I actually way, way back in the day, um, I think I was in high school or early in college. I forget the year here um, when the Patriots hosted the Ravens at home in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know if you remember this game. Um, Ray Rice, who stand up human being for the stand up Raider Ravens organization, um, took the first carry of the game, the first play of the game, 80 yards yeah, for I a touchdown. Um, I was at that game. I had exceptionally good seats in the Ravens, uh, behind the Ravens bench, surrounded by Ravens fans. Uh, I was rightfully tormented the entire game. It was a miserable experience. It was like every bit of money I had stayed up, sta- saved up to go to that game. And I'm going to be rooting for that team and that organization like Sunday without hesitation, without question. Uh, this Chiefs team is insufferable. And I'll just leave it. They're, they're, they're players. Their fans, the media coverage is insufferable and they need to lose uh, now. But anyway, that game was on the back burner to watch. Uh, I was like enthralled with this amateur Nick Dunlop uh, coming down the stretch. Dunlap, Dunlop coming down the stretch. Um, I, you know, for a 20 year old kid, I couldn't have imagined like the nerves that he was feeling over every single shot coming down the stretch. Like I know he's been in big tournaments, but trying to close out a PGA event next to Justin Thomas, like in front of a big crowd, uh, ginormous balls on that dude. And just an amazing, like solid closing stretch. And whenever he got into like a hint of trouble, um, was able to bounce back. Um, Sam Burns, like precisely the opposite, I actually, I could not imagine being a Sam Burns, like top five better uh, and watching him do what he did from 16 to 18 and just drop out of contention. Um, That must've been horrifying. But this dude Dunlap, um, like we we were saying, as he's lining up that putt to win the tournament, um, like that putt, literally, you say this cliche a lot, but is literally a life-changing moment for him. Like he makes the putt, he can become a professional golfer as a 20-year-old. He misses the putt. He's going back to class on Monday and resuming his life as a as a college you know player. Um, not that he won't be a pro either way, but just like a truly like life changing moment. And it was so cool to watch that happen. And the celebration was cool, and his emotions were cool. Like a really cool golf event in what is normally like a drama free you know pro am weekend. Yeah, it was re- uh, really amazing stuff. I would say probably ninety percent of his round um, was flawless. But he, he had he had a couple, the one really bad mistake with the shank in the water. Um, but yeah, never really wavered. Other than that, um, the thing that stuck out to me the most was him coming up eighteen, um, and the commentators were sort of speaking about this, and he, and he spoke about it afterwards in his interview as well. Uh, but not really knowing the real time situation in terms of. Um, you know, Christian Bezaden, who had, um, I believe, got it to 28 under. I think he was at 29 at the time or one yeah. stroke uh, within his score. And I believe he thought he was up to going down 18, which to me, if I think about that and, and I try to put myself in that situation, not that I would ever be there, but I think it would drive me literally insane. Not, not with that attitude, Kev. Not with that attitude. <laughs> I think it would drive me literally insane to not know 
what the situation was, especially, you know, maybe I can start the hole, but if you watched him play and with the drive he hit, he, he just pushed it way right and was in a pretty bad spot. And from there, like, it's pretty obvious that that he's either going to make probably at best par, uh, maybe more likely bogey. And at that point, I would almost just have to know, like, what do I need here to win? And I, and I would, I wouldn't, I don't think be able to focus on um, the golf at that point, right? Like, I, like I would want to find out. Um, so to me, that was so amazing that he could go through the rest of that hole pretty flawlessly. I mean, he hit his his second shot up, sort of pin high. Um, I think he um, he got a little fortunate with his second shot. I think it hit a, a spectator and then yes. kind of bounced a little left yes. on. Yeah. Ended up in a really good spot, but but whatever, you know, he played it played it about as good as he could, and then. Um, his third shot was great. Nice pick, like a little pitch, um, about to six feet. And then he just drained the six footer in the heart. So, um, yeah. And, and you mentioned it with Burns JT too. Um, he had a, at one point, I, I forget which hole it was, but, uh, there's water on the left on the part five and, and he yep. hit a huge draw drive, uh, down the left side, only missed the water by about five yards. Um, but because of that drive had to have much better look than, than the other two guys, coming in i think he had something like maybe something around 200 to, to reach in two um and ends up putting it in the water kind of oddly like it, it was sort of set up to play a cut and, and it looked like by where he took his penalty shot it looked like he was almost trying to draw it in like over the water because it crossed the the penalty area super early um but yeah i just thought that was really odd and but yeah both for the two of them both thomas and burns to make that many errors um and never really just have it sort of down the stretch was um, disappointing, but but good for the young kid, and it was great to see. Yeah, Nick Saban was on the phone when JT hit that second <laughs> shot in the water. I don't know if he was talking about. Uh, he Dunlap. literally, literally had just said, I believe Saban, or uh, yeah, was he? Well, so he was on something the phone about like, JT. Yeah, something about JT, right? Like, like, I, I like, oh, you know, he's out there with Justin Thomas, like a fantastic player, like obviously going to be tough down the stretch. <laughs> And like, because there was no commentary, like he hit the ball and the camera went like toward the water. And I was like, I was like, wait, they must have just lost the ball because there's no way he just like did not clear that from 200. <laughs> like, and then, you know, they get back to it eventually and the moments passed, but like a stunning, like, like reversal of fortune and reversal of momentum there yeah. Um, from an otherwise like actually pretty good JT for the most part. It's good to see him sort of like. Now, like, do I like do I trust it wholly right now? I don't yet until we get on like a real course, but good to see him like not all over the place like he was last year. But yeah, not not coming up big on like what was a very, very easy approach shot for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the whole Saban coming on the phone was a little weird to me. I'm not sure. I, I wasn't expecting that at all. I saw something funny online while that conversation was going on, and that you you're uh you bringing it up just reminded me of it. But somebody one of the guys I follow, um on Twitter is uh, Brendan Parath. He does the like shotgun start podcast, which I'm a big fan of, but uh, he tweeted during that need Brandle to ask Saban about the transfer portal. <laughs> so it's just so like, out of you know, so weird that he had come on. And I, I just, again, it goes back to another thing of like, just the, them really trying to like force and find ways to, to make golf cool other than just showing golf. Um, and again, it's just like, of course, everyone like Nick, Nick Saban is super recognizable and, you know, somebody that people can relate to, but I don't, just doesn't, didn't really add a whole lot to like the golf portion of it, at least in my opinion, but 
No, he's a famous dude, but like, what's he got to do in that situation? Like he, he plays golf. Yes. And he's coaches a different sport at a college that two of the players that are playing went to, I get that. Right. But like, are we stretching a little bit with like what he's going to add to like the golf discussion? Yeah. He was like, yeah, he's like, I saw him, uh, you know, hitting drives in the simulator once. And I was like, yeah, all right. That's Sweet. probably like yeah. the extent of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was an odd, an odd get for them like not like their golf coach who probably coached both of them just but like a weird instinct um but one other thing this tournament sort of like did for me and i know this is not like a hot take because it's already been like floated around the internet but like these are the type of moments that these signature events are missing out on like these these short field no cut events are missing out on um happened last year with like nick taylor getting a win like you'll ne never gonna see guys come from behind like these cinderella stories which frankly, like if that was a like Sam Burns versus Justin Thomas coming down the stretch at the Amex, like that probably gets the little screen and football gets the big screen. Like it was was the fact that an amateur could do this for the first time in whatever it was, 30 years since Phil Mickelson, like to win like that draws you to it the same way. Like I, I vividly remember like like Nick Taylor being in contention and being, you know, 150 or whatever he was. That's more intriguing to me than like a non-major um, non like iconic course, um, you know, two guys like battling down the stretch, unless it's like, unless Tiger is involved, frankly. Um, but that's never going to trump football for me or anything like that. Um, unless it's these cool moments that can only happen if you do what the PGA has been doing before and, and after live existed, like it's just seems so like nonsensical to eliminate that, but, um, that's a choice and, and that will not, you know, not bode well for those tournaments if there are not big names at the top. Right, yeah, it's almost funny that um, that was kind of their sort of claim to fame. And it's just because you have these two other guys, like you have JT and you have Sam Burns, who are both both multiple-time winners. I think Sam Burns has won five times on tour. JT is major winner. But And then they're certainly more recognizable, obviously. But, but these golfers that, that are even multiple-time winners, I think, are not recognizable enough to like the casual fans to the point where they'd be like, oh yeah, it's JT and Sam Burns. Like got to tune into this, right? Like everybody can appreciate the amateur story and the, and the, and the underdog story and the long shot story. And people love that about sports. And um, yeah, I, I think it's sad that um, that'll be going away a lot with the no cut events, but um, it is what it is. Yep. It's a choice. I feel like, like, like you sort of alluded to it, like the, the common fan, um, will not be drawn in by, by two, like just great golfers, like, like Sam birds and Justin Thomas. Like it has to be those like, like, um, uh, like broad appeal, like, like pop culture names. And for me, like all of those guys, um, other than like Scheffler, I think is still probably that guy, but like Rory, like playing overseas and then tiger not playing. And then a bunch of those guys are on live right now. Like Kepko, Rom, like all like the actual draws, DJ, Phil, um, something that could attract like a non like golf fanatic to it um gone so yeah i don't know if that was a wise strategy but i guess you know when you have to distribute the money to these guys to stop them from defecting that's that's a factor too but um yeah odd choice that yeah for the for these like non-major events like i, I don't know the draw is just not there for me even like the sign the first signature event that's not going to have like i, I don't know what that'll be um that's not going to have either a course or like, I know the Genesis is one and that's like tiger's tournament, but like, I, I don't know if, if the farmers like this week were one 
Um, even though it's at Torrey Pines, like that does nothing for me over like Championship Sunday if it were on Championship Sunday, for example. Yeah, the farmers coming up this week is a little interesting because now we have um, Pebble Beach coming up, right, which is a signature event. I that's think. right. So obviously, that's going to get a big draw. It feels like farmers is going to get a little squeezed here in terms of the field with just a bunch of um, big events coming up. Um, I think we still got a like decent number of guys. Like we got the California guys, we got Homa, Cantlay, um, and Xander, the big three, sort of up top. We got Ludwig. Um, but other than that, a lot of like the bigger time guys sort of skipping this event. Um, I think for that reason, with the with the big tournaments coming up. Yeah, I like it. All right, you alluded to it. Let's get to it. I think this will be. I'm actually kind of excited for this event, like as sort of a golf like a golf fan. Um, First off, Wednesday, Wednesday to Saturday this week, which is like ideal, actually, like, you know, just got just got done sort of criticizing the PGA. This is a brilliant move because nobody's watching this tournament on Sunday during champion conference championship Sunday. So this will end on Saturday. We'll have a Wednesday and Thursday, um, you know, uh, cut for for those playing Survivor and whatnot. And then, uh, yeah, tournament end on Saturday. Uh, like real course here, too. Like, well, I know we'll go get into it in more detail, but they're playing at both Torrey Pines courses. Um, north, like kind of timid, um, you know, not, not really like a super challenging track, but then when you get to South, like you're talking about a, a legit, like major championship level, um, you know, us open location, like real course, um, where guys are actually going to have to play. Like you're not going to get a negative 29 winner. I actually remember, um, during, you know, to get back to the Amex for one second, like there was a commentary, uh, I think Shoffley was closing out his round and one of the commentators was like, you know, like he hasn't really been hitting it great this week, but he's also sitting at 27 under. So I don't really know. <laughs> it's like one of those things. Like if you don't play well at Torrey Pines, like you're, you're just not going to be able to make birdies and, and, and climb into contention at all. So sort of exciting to where on a track where some of the field is going to be just sorted out because of the skill required. Um, yeah. So that, that fires me up a little bit that we get a challenge like that, but that'll be, you know, one half of, of the major, you know, survivor part of this week. Cause they'll play on both courses. Um, you mentioned it on, on the West coast, um, you know, of the top players, missing Scheffler, missing Rory, uh, missing all of the British guys for the most part. Um, but it leaves some interesting, interesting guys. Um, so I, I sort of, I have, I have a lot of thoughts about the field, but I'm sure we'll get there when we make our bets. But um, what stands out to you uh, about the tournament, about the format, field, whatever, before we get into, you know, the real specifics here? Yeah, I love the Wednesday to Saturday. I'm a little bit – I'm excited to just get to golf a little bit earlier in the week, have it start on Wednesday, not have it interfere with football on Sunday is nice. Um, I heard Pat Mayo t- talking a little bit on his show about why the PGA Tour doesn't just do this for the entire month of January. Um, you know, even though they play on football on Saturday and Sundays for – about half of January or more than half of January, if you can, you know, eliminate not having to compete with football on both days of the weekend versus just one seems like an advantageous way to go. But um, yeah, I love it for this week. Um, yeah. Love, love getting to um, Tory. Yeah. Ed mentioned this, the South course is the major course. Um, John Robb, I believe got his U S open here at Tory. Uh, and I think Tiger, was the Tiger Woods over Rocco Mediate at Torrey as well, I believe. I think so. I think so. But don't don't 100% quote me on that. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, regardless, super long course, super penal on the south course in terms of um, really high rough. And I, I saw today online that it's been downpouring like crazy there for the past couple of days. Yep. Um, so that's going to just make that rough grow even faster and thicker. Um, so that's going to be pretty interesting to to see. But yeah, super, super excited for this tournament. Um, just a recognizable course. And uh, again, we mentioned like typically does get a really great field. It's a little bit down this year. Um, but again, that gives us a little bit of a chance to to kind of dive down the board a little bit and try and get some guys that are a little bit longer odds. So we'll see. All right, cool. Let's get into it then. Um, just an update on, on where we're sitting right here. Uh, after a, I broke entirely even last week at the Amex. I believe you made um, 260. Nope. My math is bad. $78 last week. So uh, in our virtual totals, I'm at 1,028 and you're at 982. So maintaining a slight lead um, with the conservative plays on my end and and waiting for you to miss or at least get on a bad run of, of these more aggressive plays. Um all right, cool. But my first uh my first play this week is a uh top 20 play. And it's a guy who I have a very complicated history with, um, but who has a tremendous uh course course success at Torrey Pines. I also think his game just in a vacuum lines up quite well. Uh, with this track, with his length, um, with his uh, long iron ability, um, the short game is always concerning. But but here I'm sort of focused on the the bombers that can that can you know drive a seven thousand seven hundred yard uh, course, um, and that also is one of like the you know the correlations to success is long iron play and, and length off the tee. So, guy that fits that for me, Tony Finau, and to get him in the top twenty is at positive odds. And I'm just a big fan. Like I, you know, looking at the looking at the board itself, I can't find 20 guys I like better than him to win the tournament. So that's usually a pretty good sign that I that I like or have some confidence in that play. Um, so I'm taking Tony to get in the top 20. Uh, that's positive 130, and I'm putting 50 dollars on that. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm going a little more conservative this weekend with my uh, with my dollar amounts. Just didn't. We were talking offline a little bit about this. Didn't love the board a ton. Um, but I still found a five plays that I sort of sort of like here. So I'll start. Um again, I'm just going going back to the well with the top finish parlay. Haven't quite got there yet, but we're gonna keep trying. Um, okay, this first guy, Patrick Cantley, I have <laughs> I have to say I uh am willing to forgive him for this past weekend with my head, but not with my heart. I am not going to forget what he did to me. So I had a um top 30 uh i believe it was five golfers to finish inside the top 30 parlay in one of our little side pool bets and i had everybody inside the top 30 going to sunday with the exception of scotty scheffler um who ended up playing really well and battling his way back into the top 30 and patrick Cantley, i believe shot plus four or plus five just absolutely threw up all over himself uh and put himself way outside the top 30 so uh, i was very upset with that but I think that was one of the worst rounds he's had T to green since like in like the past year and a half or something like that. So I'm willing to forget, uh, forgive it as sort of an anomaly, even though it was incredibly ill time for me personally. Last uh, chance, Pat, last chance is yeah, what he's man. saying. <laughs> and so I'm going to go with, uh, Caleb in the top five. Uh, another guy I really like this week is Sung J M in the top 10, uh, and then Jason day top 20. 
uh, who obviously both those guys played super well last week. I, I like um, the way Jason Day has been playing. And I think Sung Jay, Sung Jay has finished, um, I believe, fourth and sixth here at this tournament over the past two years. Um, obviously, the yep. game fell off last year, but I think it's back. I think he's got that sort of long, straight drive that's going to be really important here. Um, so I have that again, can't wait top five, Sunday top 10, Jason day, top 20 at 28 to one. And I'm going to put $10 on that. All right. I like that. I'm on, I'm on Sung Jay this week too. Um, I, I like all those plays for some reason that the can't lay one scares me the most, even if, you know, he's like the second favorite in the tournament, but yeah, that's pretty solid. I don't, I've come tantalizingly close to hitting these as well. And it's been like very frustrating to get to and just know like the bird has no chance. <laughs> so, Actually, the odds are so juicy. It's just it's, so, so, it's so enticing. It's so enticing. And they just like stunningly, the casino has this figured out and, and has just like knows these are profitable because they are. I think I would have hit one last week if, but for Tom Kim, like shitting the bed the entire uh, week. Um, he is on my on my shit list for a long time because of that. Um, but we'll see. I, I like that one a lot. That feels realistic. All three guys have very positive uh course history, J Day included. Um, you mentioned Sung Jay. My my second play is Sung Jay M to win outright. And that's uh 22 to 1. Um, you 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 said it pretty much for me, like long, straight driver, excellent iron player, um, and hopefully we'll be able to make uh, enough putts to contend, but but I'll keep it short and sweet there. It's it's been said enough. Okay, I like that. Um, I also have an outright winner. Mine's going to come in at eighteen to one. Um, this guy's been playing super well. I uh, I think courses that like don't really suit his game very well, and now I think this course suits his game incredibly well. That's going to be Ludwig. Mm-hmm. Um, at eighteen to one, I'm going to put ten dollars on that and hope he can get get it done. This would be yeah. a first like sort of major um you know win for him he had the one in the fall swing there but this would be kind of a statement win i think to early on in the season to to let people know that the the hype is for real i got it i think we're uh we're pretty much on some of the go- some of the same plays this week because i have ludwig in a play it's uh it's an interesting one and it's ludwig to be the co- top finisher of continental europe and that's that's my play that is uh 320 positive 320 and for me that's basically like Moronk and Straka are the two like that I'm worried about there but like Ludwig way better than those two so I feel like with that soft like rest of that pool um I like him a lot at almost three and a half to one so uh positive 320 and I'm going 30 dollars on that like it I saw that as well actually almost uh yeah I almost bid on that one also Ludwig is the favorite right yep yeah 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 Okay, yeah. Um, both those got Ludwig and Sanjay. I have a couple more plays here. So my next one is going to be a top 30 parlay uh, for golfers. Um, I'm going to go with Sanjay, uh, Xander Schauffele, Ludwig, and then my guy from last week, Killa Keith Mitchell. Uh, my pick to win last week had an amazing Sunday round, I believe. I, sh- I believe he shot 62 to get himself inside the top 10, maybe even top five. I can't really remember. Um, but I just like like the way his game's trending. Um, so I tossed him in there to juice the odds up a little bit. So it's going to be $20. Odds are plus 824. So 8.24 to 1. All right. I like that. Yeah, Kelly Keith had a very very hot Sunday to sort of just like just make you think it might be possible enough. 
Um, but then, yeah, couldn't shoot 56 to to win the tournament, unfortunately, but came <laughs> came as close as you're going to come. Well, when he opened, uh, not sure if you saw, but he opened uh, by holding out his second shot. Did not Eagle. see. That's yeah. great. And I, I believe he he was like four under through three or something like that. And uh, yeah, that, I, I knew it was I knew he was coming from too far back, but it just makes you wish he did a little something more on the, the previous three days. But, yep. Yeah, that's that's those are the breaks. Um. All right, I got another really little exotic play here. Uh, I'm going winner without the big guns. This is the bet that I have. And the big guns in this tournament are Cantlay, Shoffley, and Homa. And I'm going Keegan Bradley to win without the big guns. That's 22 to 1, and I have $10 on it. Um, I think Keegan, like a good, again, like long straight driver for the most part, uh, at least recently, good long iron player has great course history at Torrey Pines and just a good enough number there. Um, you know, if you eliminate the tournament favorites to, to maybe have a shot, um, you know, I know I'm sort of hedging like the Sung Jay bet there, but, but two guys I'm high on this week. So I'll take, uh, I'll take Keegan without the big guns, 22 to one for uh, 10 bucks. So I have a funny story about that. I was looking at that, those exact plays, basically the winners without the big guns. I've never played one in real life, but I, I basically had this thought process where I was like, okay, so you take the guy, right? And if he wins the tournament, obviously you win that bet, right? So if Keegan wins outright, you win. Now let's say who are the that would, big three? That would, that would hurt. That would hurt, honestly, that would hurt, though. Yeah. The smaller, the smaller odds, right? But now let's say Xander wins the tournament, right? He's one of the big three. Yep. And then Keegan comes in second. And yep. I'm like, okay, I'm like, does the bet still win? And I'm doing jujitsu with, with with myself of, of like reasoning out both sides and then I'm, I like after like two minutes I'm like no of course he still wins because I would just that's the whole bet Kev that, that's the whole, I understand <laughs> and, and I and I came to that conclusion after like reasoning the bet out after two minutes and was just so frustrated for myself at myself for having to reason that out that I just got off the that whole section <laughs> of the board and I wasn't going, going to be selecting anything from there anymore <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, now, now you're making me like think twice about this in, in my brain. Like if those three go first, second, third, and Keegan comes in fourth, like I win that bet. It's still, That's my it still wins. I think. Okay. Right. All right. I hope so. I think so. Yeah. The, I just don't know. I've never, yeah. I've never done it myself. All right. The, the outright price is 30 to one and 22 to one. Like, I don't know if that's just worth it for me to take like those three, like powerhouses out, even though like, I really don't think any of those three are going to actually win the tournament, but Decent odds if one of them does, and and frankly, like by the numbers should, but we'll see how that actually goes. We've also been, you know, our little close circle here of uh, this little bet betting pool that we have has has been pretty good at picking runner ups. So Alex DeLuise, if you're listening, you might want to look at uh, without the big guns possible. It's an possible automatic play. for him. It's an automatic. <laughs> okay, I'll get to my next one here. Um, this guy, I played. Two weeks ago, got off him last week. I'm going to jump back on now. It's going to be my boy, Davis Thompson. Um, had a really nice week last week. I'm going to take him at top 40. Um, so I'm confident in him. Not that confident. But I'm going to take uh, top 40 at plus 140. Uh, and I'm going to put $30 on that. Okay. Plus 140, top 40. Yep, $30. 30 bucks. All right. I like that. I also have a top 40 play that I will close it out with. Is my biggest bet of the week. Um, and this is a guy that I've been fond of in the past, and I have a soft spot for him despite how he treats me normally. So I'm expecting him to just just miss the cut by 40 shots because I'm on him. But Luke List, top 40, is uh, minus 105, and I'm going to put $105 on that. Uh, he's fared well at Torrey Pine South, 
the putting will always and forever like like haunt him. Um, I think he got a win at this event two years ago before Homa. I think I'm not sure if it was this event or some other event, but he's been playing okay recently and is a good course fit here. Um, and top 40 feels like some pretty low standards for a guy with that correlation of success at uh, at Torrey Pine South. So we'll see. So that's funny. When you were giving your first play, which I believe was your outright play, you kind of uh, did your little intro about uh, super long, short game concerning, and immediately Luke List, I was like, oh, he's going yeah, to fits. outright. It fits. No, and, uh, come on now. And, uh, and I, I only say that because I was like a little hesitant because I'm about to fade him here in this next play. But I think you'll understand my rationale. Now, I, I'm going. I get the I'm downside going, for sure. So, I'm. It's not a super fade. I'm just going round one, um, three ball matchup. I'm not super crazy about ever putting like a lot of money on uh, 18 holes of golf, but I really like this matchup. So it's going to be Sungjae three ball, uh, Sungjae over Luke List and Akshay at plus 120. Uh, just in round one, I'm going to put fifty dollars on that. I think just we we already touched on Sungjae how much we both like him. Um, and those other two guys, I think, just have – you mentioned it. They, they just have, like, um, deficiencies in their game, right? Like, Sanjay is just a more complete player. Um, so I'm going to count on the fact that he's just going to um, outperform them there in that first round. So, What are the odds on that one? Plus 120. All right, nice. And if – is that uh, is that a play that, if it ties, is a draw that, or a loss? That's a good question. So tie is not an option. Yep. So right. that I makes think, me think it's. A, I think um, if if he ties void, with, right? push, if, yeah, if he ties with somebody for the top score, I think it would be voided. Yes. Got you. All right, I like that. I like that. Those that's that makes it interesting. A little little bit of variety there, which I always like. It's fun to, you know, it's fun to follow the top of the tournament, but there's nothing quite like sweating out a top forty where you're watching guys that are that are finished up by the time the leaders like get get on the course to take their driving range session. Um, so that's always fun to have some bets down there. Um, who do you got to win this tournament outright? I know you like you know the number and the actual winner yeah. are two different things, but yeah. what, what are you thinking? Um, I. There's a couple guys that I really liked this week. Um, one that I did not mention is uh, Morikawa. I his number was just a little short for me, but um, but I like him a lot. Probably if you if you have to go outside those those top three, or, or even really just like overall over them, I just don't haven't been impressed with with Shoffley or Cantlay in terms of finishing ability this year. I just don't count on them to get it done. Um, and Morikawa would be a guy that I that I do trust to get it done if he's if he's going to kind of come down the stretch and 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 be there at the end. I think um, his game fits super well. Um, so yeah, that would. I, I also really looked at Minwoo Lee a lot. I like him a lot mm-hmm. this week also. Um, so it would probably be those two for me. What about you? I'm I'm Morikawa. That's my guy. I I feel like I have the exact same sort of rationale in you there. Like definitely a little short for me. I think he's 12 to one to win. Like, I don't, I don't really like that very much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like everything that I was talking about, like not, not the longest off the tee, but you know, putting a long iron in his hand doesn't really concern me at all. Um, the short game's good enough. Like everybody sort of misses at, at Torrey Pine. Like, I think I was reading something about Torrey Pine South that it's the, it's the least, um, sorry, the most, the most difficult to make from inside 15 feet and from inside five feet. At, at Torrey Pine South, which like I was talking about, like my Luke list play, like very concerning statistic for him and for Finau, um, 
who I'm also on in Survivor this week. I don't know if you saw that early play by me, but I did taking, not. I, you need to get Tony out of the way at some point during the year in Survivor pools. And, and this is the week I have to get it done and try to dodge that bullet. So like Tony, if you're listening, man, don't, don't do this to me again. Like, you know, usually you screw me later in the season. Let's, let's, let's be nice here early. Yeah. He's on the list of, uh, of survivor like, menaces. <laughs> I'll never like the, I'll never trust you list is, is what yeah. I'll call it. Like, even if, if you're on them betting, if you're rooting for them, just like watching TV, whatever it takes to break your heart, like you have to be concerned at all times because no conscience whatsoever. I like that. Yeah, no, uh, excited for this week. And again, I mentioned, I mentioned it earlier, but I, I'm pumped for the Wednesday, Wednesday start. It's just good to get to golf one day earlier in the, uh, in the work week. It makes my, makes me have something a little bit more to look forward to. So, so definitely looking forward to that. Yep. And we got a real, like a real tournament this week. Like there aren't going to be guys in the twenties. Like you're almost going to get something akin to like a U.S. open type scoring. Like it's going to be tough to birdie, even though Torrey Pines North is, is one of the rounds and that's way more forgiving. I think 10 of those holes play under par normally in scoring. Um, from what I've read, I forget if it's two, three and four or three, four and five on the first, um, the first nine holes at Torrey Pines North is still rated uh, one of the harder three-hole stretches on tour. Um, the rest of the course, not bad. But then Torrey Pine South is like a real test. Like So we're going to see some bogeys. We're not going to see just guys birdieing every single hole. Like It should be an actual competitive, um, skillful or more skillful, more testing golf tournament. And that's that's always pretty exciting stuff. Yep, for sure. should be good. Um yeah, we were just talking about with some other people about these tournaments these past few weekends. You know, it's it's the beginning of the season always starts with these birdie fests. And I think it's I think it's good to have variety, right? Like you can get tired of that pretty quick, I think. Um, but I think, you know, watching birdies is also, you know, mm -hmm. obviously fun. So like it, it's everything in moderation. I think it's good to mix it up and have have challenging courses, have courses that have a little bit of weather to them, some winds. Um some some super tough tests so i think i think it's a nice mix up this week and I'm, I'm looking forward to it all right cool i got nothing else man you good i'm good cool your, right, uh, well, give us give us your nfl picks real quick yeah well ravens for sure i was actually going to end the podcast by saying this like if you're listening to this podcast and you're rooting for the chiefs this weekend like i want you to delete this podcast unsubscribe uh, delete the downloads like just take everything off where we're a we're a non-chiefs podcast uh, we'll continue to be that. Uh, so I'm I'm going Ravens. And then Hart says Detroit, Head says Niners. I actually love both those teams, so I'm fine either way. Um, but I do think the Niners uh pull it out one year too early on on the on the Lions there. And then I hope I hope the Niners just beat the shit out of the Ravens in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I think Detroit a great story, obviously, but yeah, I feel like the the Niners pretty well equipped to beat up on the Ravens. So so we'll hope for that, I guess. All right, cool. And I'd be I'd be fine with Detroit, honestly, too. But yeah, just the AFC right now, like the whole playoffs, I felt was like just full of teams that I I'm not a big fan of rooting for. So, uh, I hate to say this, but like excited to get the football season over with, so I can just we could like clean slate here. Um, not that I think the Patriots are going to be like much better next year, but yeah, just excited to get some of these teams that I hate uh, out of their successful seasons and and back to the drawing board. Correct, clean slate. Cool. All right. Good stuff, man. See you next week.